0: Morgan's drinking, she's checking the goalkeeper!
1: Off the post and The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times.
0: You are listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 59 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, this podcast called Give and Go. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen. That's where you can get it. So everything in relation to this show, again, wherever you listen to your podcast. Plus, go to the latest and greatest website for news analysis lifestyle, www.girlsoccernetwork.com Check us out on Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network, and on Twitter, at Girls Soccer Network net so again be sure to follow us on all the recommended channels that we are on okay because you do not want to miss it on content that is coming and we have a lot coming again all of that content coming from the convention we've got two more very special interviews to take you through today it is a trini themed episode we're taking you to the caribbean We've got to speak with two different People from two different nations. One is Dennis Chung, the general secretary for the Jamaican Football Federation. Has done an incredible job there. You don't want to miss that conversation. As well as Karen Forbes, an internationally capped player with Trinidad and Tobago. And is going to, I believe, the second division of England to try and earn a spot on one of the teams there. We've got an interview with her about how she's really looking to inspire her next generation of, you know, young women from the Caribbean to kind of grow their brands and focus on themselves and really look to just focus on health, wellness and see what kind of impact you can create by just being yourself and, and it was a great conversation to speak with her as well. So when you think about those two things, big interviews to come, we will get right to them. But first, a word from one of our sponsors, Parkside Trading Cards. Now, the women's soccer market is booming, and so is the trading card market. Uh, It's only a matter of time before, you know, your favorite players, whether it's autograph cards, rookie cards, or just your favorite players in general, the prices for these cards is going to go up, so it's better to get in on it now. Which is why, if you use our code GSN10 for 10% off at parksidetradingcards.com, you can get... 10% 10% off your next order. Again, you can get the Paramount set for $75, which is a great deal. You could get some great stuff in there, at least one autograph, as well as the regular base sets as well. They have a lot of great stuff, so be sure to go use our code, again, GSN10, for 10% off your next order. Okay, so we will get to the Dennis Chung interview in a second, but because, again, we're keeping it with a Trini-themed episode, and we're, you know, highlighting some of the The great things that are coming out of whether it be Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, the Caribbean in general. We also wanted to have to mention really the fact that Haiti, a tiny little island, has qualified for the World Cup. And it is truly an incredible story for them to do what they've done here. And you're talking about beating Senegal in the semifinal playoff for the World Cup. And then they beat Chile, who's got Christian Endler, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They beat them 2 1 to secure their spot. They're gonna be in the same group as China, Denmark, and England. So when you think about where they fall in that group, that's a you know, it's a great group for them to be in. I think a lot of people expect that they're gonna get run over by teams, and I don't think that's the case, I think Haiti actually has the opportunity to make some noise at this World Cup, they've got some really good players who have, who no one really knows about, so um, Melchi Dumourne has just signed with Lyon, she's going to go this summer, um, has been playing in the French League for a long time, for her to be going to Lyon, I think that's one of the big moves for Haiti in general, the fact that all of their stars are playing in the French League, you have Bacheba Louis, you have a couple other players, let's let's take a look here at their roster, so Bacheba Louis, who we just mentioned, plays for Fleury FC, one of the teams in the top three in the French League right now, she's only 25, then you have another young star in they're number 10, Neryl Amon who plays for Montpellier at 24 years. Then you have Dumournay, who is also incredibly young, just 19 years of age. So you're talking about a young star in the making to go with a young Haitian team that's got stars and is only going to get better. So this team is going to be very, very scary in the future years. And... Uh, yeah, I can't. it's just an incredible story that they have qualified. I believe Portugal is the other team to have made it in. But still, what an incredible story for Haiti. We had to highlight this. We had to talk about it because I believe that they're going to be able to make some noise. They can surprise Denmark. They can surprise and sneak up on China a little bit as well. England will be a tough ask, but they're going to score at least one goal, I believe. That would be history, and I believe they're going to score at least one goal in this tournament. Um, which would be, again, an, an incredible moment when that does happen. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight Haiti getting in to the World Cup is truly an incredible, incredible story, and we hope you guys follow them coming up to the World Cup this summer. Alrighty, without further ado, we're going to give you our talk with Dennis Chung, the General Secretary of the Jamaican Football Federation. Here it is, guys. Enjoy. I am with Dennis Chung, the general secretary for the entire Jamaican Football Federation, and we are very, very happy to have you here. How are you doing today, Mr. Chung?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, so what is your vision for the Jamaican Football Federation, especially with the reggae girls having qualified for the last World Cup?
2: Yeah, um, well, I think the Jamaica Football Federation um, can get to have a very high level of development. Um, already Jamaica is really the pearl of the Caribbean when it comes to football. Um, we have qualified a men's team and the girls have qualified for two World Cups, which is the only team in the Caribbean that has ever qualified for two World Cups. So it's pretty significant. Um, the vision, of course, is to develop football in Jamaica and in the region. We see ourselves as having a regional responsibility as a leader in the Caribbean. So, we're not just focusing on getting to the World Cup, which is all the ultimate goal, but rather developing a football, a, 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 sorry, a culture of, of, of football perfection in in Jamaica. I mean, We've done it with our music, you know, right. our tourism. And I think the next big thing for us is football and, and certainly track and field. Right. You know, so so football is, is the next big thing for us. Um, I think the football is maybe is, is the number one sport in Jamaica. The football brand is very big globally. And, you know, we're pretty confident that we can do it with the quality players that we have.
0: And I think... You know, in the past, the, the Caribbean hasn't always gotten the respect and support that it deserves. Are the, What are some of the challenges that you had to overcome in order to bring Jamaican football to where it is now?
2: I think the primary issue that we've had, I'm certain we've had the, 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 um, the quality, I think the primary issue that we've had with um, sports in general, football in particular, is administration. So I'm trying to bring that level of professionalism expertise to it uh, my background myself I'm a business person a business um, I'm a CPA um, or the California um, and you know we're trying to bring a professional approach to it um, so we're, we're going through some structural changes um, trying to bring in um, corporate persons into the organization to work with the organization and I think that's the main thing that we have to fix because I think once we have good persons supporting the talent. You know, we have an international coaching now in terms of Hal Grimson, who is from Iceland, who actually took Iceland to the 2018 World Cup and to the Euro 17 finals. Oh, okay. um, and that they just have 340,000 people. Um, so we're putting the, 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 the investment in place in terms of the infrastructure and properly organizing the federation from uh, a, a proper organization capacity point of view to, to bring us there. And I think once we do that, because we did it with track and field, and that's how we've been able to maintain um, ourselves in, in terms of being at the top of track and field because the administration was one of the first things that, that was put in place.
0: And what are some of those qualities that you talk about that require implementing what you want to do?
2: Um, the approach to how we we um, we, we are... We we look at football development, certainly talent development is critical. How do we organize the clubs so that the clubs become more, greater experts in administration also? Because it starts from the grassroots level, so we're focusing a lot on grassroots development, um, working with the institutions like schools, you know, from primary level up. Um, I think those are the main things that we need to do. Um, From the point of view of the the Jamaica Football Federation, I think it's important for us internally to build that capacity because we are responsible for football in general in Jamaica. And once we do that, once we put the proper regulations in place, the rules, and we have the right team that's on board, it's going to work because organizations strive based on the human development, human capacity that you have internally. And I think we're getting there with it.
0: Tell me more about your relationship with, with Coach Hugh and how close you guys are, how yeah. far you go back. And, uh, <laughs> is he coming back in any capacity to help with, with the Jamaican national
2: team? Well, Hugh is my cousin, <laughs> right? So um, I've, I've known him from birth. You know? um, I, I like to tell him that I'm the better-looking side of the family. <laughs> you know, But, I mean, Hugh has been great. Hugh has done very well. You know, um, I think he's, he's a great talent in terms of um, administration, football administration, not just coaching, you know, and I've known him from a long time. We used to play football together as children. You know, he used to take me all over the place. Um, And we we have a very close relationship as as a family. Um, He he obviously did a great thing with the girls, you know, um, taking them to the World Cup. And how important that is, and and how remarkable that is, that is. That. He did not have the girls that were exposed now to to professional football. So he did a great job with them. But I can tell you and I'll tell everyone the story. One year before he qualified, he came to Jamaica. He came to see me as usual and we went to eat what we call pan chicken, which is chicken cooked on the roadside, right? Yeah. And while we were there, he says to me, you know, I have a set of girls that next year will qualify for the World Cup. And I said, why do you say that? And he says, they're smart. And he says, once they're smart, I can work with them. They're either at college or they're on their way to college. And he did it. You know, he was, he was confident and the truth is that he did not have a lot of support in that belief but he had a vision and he worked towards that vision and, and that is the sort of thing that we want to bring to Jamaica. So. Um, we have an excellent relationship. Um, I see that Hugh has a great part to play in going forward. As to what that part will be, um, I think he has graduated now from the, the you know, <laughs> the, the, the coaching, um, and I think that he has a role to play, certainly from an advisory point of view. And I'm discussing that with him, along with the president, um, to see how best we can incorporate that, you know, and that discussion where hopefully we can conclude that soon but you know hey the talent if we can we can utilize the talent that we have developed from jamaica uh, and not just persons who are jamaicans but persons who want to help jamaica mm-hmm. persons in the diaspora and he who is a big part of that and i think he has a great work. so what would you say
0: was the the biggest difference you saw from before qualification to after in terms of support for the women because I'm sure there was a little bit of convincing to do for the people of yeah. Jamaica to support the women.
2: Well, I can tell you now that when sponsors speak to the JFF um, about about you know, getting involved, the first thing they mention are the women's team. You know, So it has brought a lot in terms of interest from Corporate Jamaica um, because the women's team definitely have shown Um, a lot more potential because you know it's very easy because of what they've done for the women locally to get scholarships overseas so that's another huge difference and then the fans have gotten to appreciate them so the greatest thing for me is that it, it shows that you know we have the potential to do well at you know whatever level whatever gender but that it has created that opportunity for young persons because we see football as a social development tool, particularly in a country like Jamaica that has social issues. You know, um, We see ourselves as not just developing footballers, but developing people. love
0: that. And last question for you. What are some things that you want the people to know about Jamaica as a country, as a sporting nation, as a whole?
2: For me, Jamaica is the greatest place on earth. (laughs) You know, I was telling, I I mean, right here, we're we're here now, and for me, it's very cold. You know, um, because in Jamaica, 75 is cold. right? (laughs) So, um, we have summer 365 days of the year, and that for me is great. I mean, we have great people. You know, the music is great. I mean, if you've never been to Jamaica, you need to be there for the beaches, you know, for the people. It's just a great place you know and it's 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 big enough to not be considered a small island but small enough to be considered an island and you know that i think describes it a lot we have bob marley you know everybody knows about bob marley are saying bolt so you know it, it's it's just a great place so i'm inviting you to come down yes I will be there be yeah. there so much
0: Again, that was Dennis Chung of the Jamaican Football Federation. And when you look at the strides that they've been able to make within the last five to ten years as a federation, I mean, the reggae girls getting to a World Cup and then scoring in a World Cup too, that's a big deal. A lot of the smaller countries that end up making it, it ends up kind of being like a, a participation trophy type event where, okay, you're here, it's great that you're here, but you're not gonna score, you're not gonna be able to do much. And so Jamaica proved, hey, we are here, we are in this for the long haul, and we're gonna to continue to improve and get better. And when you have even a player like Khadija Bunny Shaw, uh, you know, you're gonna go places and, and not just Bunny Shaw, but Havana Salon, they've got a couple players in that pipeline that are really, really good. So to see the work being put in by Someone like a Dennis Chung who has done an incredible job, and you heard him talk about his vision of turning the Football Federation into what the track federation is, right? Because their track athletes are some of the best in the world. And they said if we can mirror some of that and bring it to the women's football and and football in general, it'll go a long way. So I I really believe that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. And, And not only that, but getting to hear about the country and what they're known for what they're about and how we should come and visit i got that invite to go visit right so i i gotta get myself down to jamaica at some point and and, and make that happen so it, it was truly a great talk with mr chung and talking about how the jamaican football federation is only going up and i really truly believe that we need to continue to give them the support and appreciation and highlight that as much as we possibly can and that's the purpose of this Podcast this interview, so we hope you guys enjoyed it. Alrighty, next up, we are going to get into the She Believes Cup. Just wrapped up, the U.S. women's national team captured their sixth title, and this was a great competition because they got to try and see where they are at, kind of like a litmus test for where they are at going into the World Cup. They did schedule Two friendlies with Ireland in April, but this was kind of the best chance to see what they were going to look like in a competition with a trophy on the line against three really good teams, not from Europe. Three of the better teams that they're going to be able to face outside of Europe. So you have Canada, Japan, Brazil. They won all three games. They got a little bit of everything, a different scenario to kind of work on to get ready for the World Cup, which is fantastic. that It is so huge to be able to have an experience like this, where normally they kind of steamroll everybody and don't get a chance. Whereas this time, at different points, each match was was highly contested. You know, Canada, in spite of the strike, in spite of what is going on, still did what they could in that first match. I mean, look, they were not going to beat the United States. When you have that much unrest, with a strike. We will get more into that later. But this first game, Mallory Pugh took full advantage of uh, Alex Morgan with a nice little assist and then smash Mallory Pew smashed it in and then took advantage of a catastrophic error on the second goal. So two nil. Canada did have one or two chances, but Alyssa Nair was up for it. They never really got too worried in, in in this match um the fact again that canada actually had 47 percent possession which is more than usual for said opponents against the united against the united states and then on top of that you have the the question marks surrounding who's gonna play the number six right has it is it gonna be andy sullivan it hasn't been working out we've talked about it many times on the show don't want to speculate too much whether Her legs are still the same post multiple injuries, but rumors swirling around that Taylor Korniak is is being groomed to play that position, which is an interesting prospect considering she's more of a, a striker, so looking to convert her to that defensive role. But overall, still a good first game against Canada. And then going into Japan, um, it didn't get any easier. Japan was very, very good. The midfield issue was highlighted. They had 49% possession, had a higher pass accuracy than the United States, which, again, doesn't happen very often. 87% to the United States is 85%. They had 10 more shots than the United States did. Right, So the United States did win the game, yes, but the stats would suggest that Japan should have done a little bit better in this one, an opportunity to do really great. And they did not take advantage of their chances. Again, you give a little bit of home field advantage in Nashville, all those screaming fans. But uh, yeah, Mallory Swanson took advantage of one of Japan's weaknesses, which is while Japan is tactically sound and precise, they don't have a player that is as fast or in a as athletic as Mallory Swanson is. All it took was one ball over the top, and when it turns into a foot race, Swanson's going to beat almost anyone in the world. There's very few players who can catch up to her in a situation like that. So that Japanese defender sadly got exposed. Swanson provided the goal, and that was all they would need. Now, Casey Murphy made an incredible reaction save in the second half to keep the lead intact, which was, again, incredible. But... Um, To see Japan do what they did, it it really does. It it is a concern, but the United States still got the result they needed. They still won the game. That is what's most important, ultimately, at the end of the day, right? Those are the games where you don't play the best. You don't play as well as you should, and you still win the game. That's what's going to happen in a World Cup-type situation where, okay, you did get outplayed a little bit, but you still got the result. And then heading into the last match, again with Brazil, they got a little bit more than I'm sure what they were bargaining for, but this Brazil team is better okay, than what we've seen from them in the past. Marta coming back was an incredible story. All we needed was a draw in this game. Mallory Swanson would lock up MVP honors with her fourth goal of the competition off a nice feed from Rose Lavelle. The offside trap did not work for Brazil. And so, basically, from that point on, the U.S. women's national team had the match won with that second goal. Alex Morgan also scored a banger for the first one. So that really, again, shows and highlights just how good our attack is when they get going, when they get ahead of steam. You know, Ludmila would come on as a sub, score in the 90th minute, which spoiled the United States' clean sheet for the tournament, essentially. But... To get three big wins against three good teams in Brazil again looked much better. But when you talk about how the tournament went, right, the concern again will be the defensive midfield spot and a a younger back line. Everyone's talking about how incredible Naomi Germa is, but Alana Cook and Emily Fox will occasionally make a mistake that could cost the United States. We're seeing like Alana Cook played that pass that I just played it right to Canada in that first game that almost led to an opportunity those are the types of mistakes you cannot afford to make in a world cup game so those that's one of the things they are going to have to clean up but like no one in the group stages is like is going to to defeat them okay no one in the group stages is going to beat them so right (laughs) it doesn't matter who and so it really comes down to the knockout stages how is this thing going to go The United States is good enough okay, to outscore everyone. When Mallory Swanson and Alex Morgan are this good, they can outscore teams. And their attacking and finishing is just better than anyone else's. It's just on the days when they cannot score. And that happens to every team, every great team from time to time. You just have one of those games where you can't score and if that happens in the world cup that's the only trouble that the united states might have because otherwise they're looking like they're going to have a good chance to outscore everybody so i still would be excited about how this team looks headed into april and then headed to the world cup we will see uh how you know injuries and things stack up will we get tierna davidson back Sam U.S. is not coming back. So there's a lot of questions still in the air leading up to this summer. But overall, solid performance, a lot to build on, a lot to look forward to for this team. And I think, yeah, they couldn't have asked for anything better from that tournament. They faced a lot of different challenges and overcame all those challenges. So excited for what this team has coming into the World Cup in you know, six to eight months' time. All right, after talking about the She Believes Cup, we want to take you to our second interview, this time with Karen Forbes, and it was a treat getting to talk to her, learning about her career, her journey, her path, and really, again, getting to learn about Trinidad and Tobago and, and what her country is all about. So here you are, guys. Uh, Karen Forbes, enjoy. All right, I'm with Karen Forbes, who is a internationally capped player with... Trinidad and Tobago and is a professional overall who has played in Europe. She is an entrepreneur, someone and an author as well. Someone who is working on uh, or has written a book that she's here to talk to us about. Karen, how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine, thank you. And thanks for having me. I am very excited for this opportunity to share about my book.
0: And so tell us more about it. What is it called? What inspired you to write it and, and to just tell us more about yourself and your journey
1: uh, to be honest what inspired me to write this book and the name of the book is woman of substance is uh, I want I always wanted to inspire people Um, I always know growing up, you know, I always wanted to write a book because I feel like, you know, my story could be a pillar for somebody else, you know, and taking this opportunity to go through the different journeys that I've went through and to get to the stage I'm at, I think um, this was a perfect opportunity for somebody else to use it as their survival guide.
0: And so what are some of the things that people can look forward to in your book? Without giving too much away, what are some things that...
1: So, basically, I got a little bio of myself in the book, so you get to understand who I am. Um, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, and obviously, you know, I didn't only cater for people in Trinidad and Tobago, I cater for people outside of. So you get a little synopsis of what it's like to grow up in Tobago because I'm from the smaller island, which is Tobago. Um, You get a little synopsis of that, and also my journey, where I Um, started school um, and how I became the the footballer that I am and growing into an entrepreneur and so on.
0: And so what about your playing experience has allowed for you to to like develop as as a human being? What about that has made you stronger to get you to where you are now? I think uh, the game, football, but you
1: could just speak in general like sports, it, it helps you with a lot. Um, it helps you with time management, it helps you with communication, it helps you with motivation. You know, it, it helps in so many areas and, and I would always recommend that someone um, use sports because it also helps with mental health you know we have a lot of stresses within the day and um and and that helps in that area so i think sports overall has shaped me into the person that i am today and continue teaching me a
0: lot and you played uh, collegiately here in america what was that experience like before you left for europe
1: So basically, you know, um, there are a lot of people who came and asked me, Karen, what's your um, what's your experience like in college? And I'd be like, listen. My experience may not be yours because there are things that I like that you may not. Um, but I definitely will say that it has developed me as a person, being able to live alone, being able to meet new friends that I actually that you know live on for today, and also the exposure that I would have gotten. It helped me and uh, being able to learn academically and also athletically. You know, it's really good and um, just being away from home in a different environment and being exposed to big bigger cities and stuff. Like like that it really brought in knowledge
0: and then post-college you went to Europe where in Europe let everyone know where exactly you played and what those experiences were like like you said having to be on your own being out in a, in a completely new place what was all of that like
1: so the transition from college being on my own really did prepare me as i go over into europe to play professionally i played in iceland the country is beautiful oh my gosh like <laughs> i have pictures in my book i wrote about iceland as well because iceland is where i wrote my book i took like six months to write it mm. and only until then i discovered that i am really in, i really like writing you know um, but my experience was great um i was able to gain some meet new people and I think you know being able to meet new people you get a network you could get always reach back out to these people in the future because you never know you know and probably you know help others to, to, to also go where you were
0: so what about your background from the island what would you like to let the people know about that as well as what are some things about Tobago that people wouldn't normally know that you can let us know about?
1: Oh, so one thing that we uh, do in Tobago, we eat like a lot of ground provision, mm. so a lot of um, natural foods. Why? Because that helps you a lot, and that's why we are physically strong. You know that that comes from that aspect. And um, I know a lot of people may not know that about Tobago. I mean, the scenery, the beaches—it's like. You, You live where people Mm (laughs) vacate, you know, (laughs) which is really awesome, Um, I think. There's a lot to do there in terms of fun stuff. You know, a lot of parties, carnival, and stuff like that that people do partake in. I'm, I'm not a party person, but I mean, you know, everybody's different, and it's such a great opportunity to come to partake in stuff like that because it's, it's, it's not uh to your usual mm-hmm. in terms of you know in the states you might do things a little different. But when you go there, it's like freedom. You you get a, you get clubs, you get all different things that you could do the beaches jet skis and all these different things you could even get to uh, in Tobago we have something called nylon pool where you actually standing in the ocean wow, you know it's really cool yeah wow, that
0: sounds awesome I gotta come <laughs> gotta make a trip to the island I, <laughs> it's like I feel like it's a, it's a separate separated from the world but it has so much to offer yeah yeah so you're sitting here in your Karen Forbes t-shirt you you're clearly looking to you know build your brand and what are some things you can tell the people about the brand that you were trying to build and just who you are
1: so um, one quote I have bounced upon um, in previous time is that you know the goal is not to to just wear a brand but to be a brand Um, I stand by certain things I stand by righteousness and um, my brand signifies righteousness because I don't care how long it takes to achieve a goal Mm-hmm. I am patient enough to wait and understand shortcuts, has, um, success has no shortcuts you know and by me building my brand i want to be authentic i want to um as a leader i want to be able to lead people through my authenticity rather than you know just faking just trying to post things and, and make people feel like you know i'm this i'm not that you know but because of that you know i think i'm able to inspire people through by what i stand for and how do, how i operate and how hard i would to achieve whatever i achieve
0: So if people want to follow you, where can they do that? Where can they get the book as well if they want to get that?
1: Okay, so the book is located on um, Amazon, Woman of Substance. Once you research that, you can research Karen Forbes, you will be able to get that. And Besides that, I'm on Instagram, Karen Forbes, because I am going to go further in a lot of things that I'm doing. I actually have a competition by the name of Kick It With Karen. It's in its seventh year. This year will be the eighth year. Um, I'm a person by action. I don't just talk and just, okay, I just talk. No, I talk and I put um, my words uh, to fruition because at the end of the day you don't want to always just have an idea but you want to be able to have an idea that you expound on that you take to a next level that you'll be able to help uh, what's going on in trinidad and tobago and help people go further
0: and what's the the competition tell us more about that you've been doing it for eight years you said now yes yeah, this, the...
1: this is the eighth year uh-huh. that i'm doing it so the competition basically start off by you know what um in playing football in trinidad and tobago it's not going to give you any kind of funding so therefore, you have to be able to create a product, a product that is marketable. And I saw this product move from one day to two days because I was doing like only men, like, you know, just put some money and, you know, have a competition and people come out. But then I started to build it from a developmental standpoint, where it's from U8, U10s, U12s and u fourteen. So I have a kids day and I have an adult day where I have females and males because when I first started the competition for two years people was like, Oh you're a female, how come you're not doing female football? But the quickest target was men because you could just put money and they just run. <laughs> so I had to start a billet from there and then now I have females and I had like six teams last time and now I'm looking to have eight to ten teams this time which is pretty good. It's a development um, eventually my succession plan is to make kick it with Carrion one and two day tournament into a league you know a well-structured mm. league that um, people will be able to come in scouts will be able to come in and, um, and it's like an ID camp to be able to get people to go to colleges and also for professional contracts.
0: That's amazing so you're, you're doing so much right now outside of actually playing but getting back to your playing career What are your next steps? How are you feeling about that side of things? Because you are, you have the book, you have Kick It With Karen, you're doing so (laughs) much. But what about your playing career?
1: definitely, like, someone asked me recently, Karen, why are you still playing? And I said, because I want to inspire somebody. I feel like so many young ladies in our country, is like they're subjecting themselves to, okay, I'm going to settle down, I'm going to have kids and stuff, and nothing is wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But why not pursue your dreams? Why not live your best life? Why Mm -hmm. not explore things? Why not make mistakes? Why not? Because I'm telling you, like, me personally, going to these different contracts and interacting with different people, even being here, you know, there's so many connections I was able to build, you know. I'm not saying that you need to do what I'm doing, but I'm saying you can live your life. So one of the reasons why I continue playing is because I want to be able to inspire somebody. I want somebody not to give up on their dreams. Because now, when you subject yourself and say, "Okay, I'm settling down early," you you can't bring back that time that has lost. Mm-hmm. So why not take the opportunity? And then you could always say, "Okay, it didn't work out. Then let, let me go ahead and just build my life in a different direction." Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so right now I'm still playing. I'm supposed to sign with Sutton United. Yeah. I'm just just awaiting their uh, proposal, the final proposal. And once that works out, I'm going to England. I'm
0: um, living my best life. Again, that was Karen Forbes. Someone who has been very focused on helping women grow, work on their personal brands, working on themselves in order to get to the next level. She's had to done an incredible amount of work. Even went, played at the collegiate level here. Learned what she could hear and learned about kind of what it takes to to build your brand and, and to get to a place to where you can inspire and help others. So that was truly a great conversation getting to meet Karen. They actually came to us and wanted to talk about her story some more. So again, please be sure to follow her as well on Instagram. We talked about it during uh, the podcast. But again, it's Karen, K-A-R-Y-N underscore Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S, and then a couple more underscores after that. You should see her come up on your page there. But yeah, great interview, and, and we're very fortunate. You know, we got to speak with her as well and keep it keep this Trini themed episode going. We have one more very important topic to discuss, and that is more players from international countries standing up for themselves and taking a stand. We have Canada and France both within the last two weeks coming out and saying that they are no longer going to play for their respective countries, at least on the France side of things. You're talking about Wendy Renard, one of the greatest center backs to ever live, saying that she can't do this anymore and saying that her heart hurts and she tried for so long to just shove it down and it and she couldn't do it anymore. So her, some other key players like Kadiatu Diani, and among others, are leaving the team until things are improved, and you're talking about six months away from a World Cup, it's catastrophic for France, and I mean, they've always had issues with their players uh, in terms of treatment and, and taking advantage of them, right, it's no secret that whether it's the men or the women, Im- they're largely they're, their rosters are largely made up of players from immigrant countries, families who have come from other countries and then moved to France, and now get French eligibility rather than the eligibility of the country they were originally from. And so France is naturally just taking advantage of these resources that are available to them and not giving their players the the due respect that they deserve. And that's what we're seeing with with the French national team, we're seeing it with the Canadian national team as well. We talked about that earlier, they are also going to go on strike and we're essentially forced back to work heading into the She Believes Cup. So incredible stuff coming out of both Canada and France and the fact that I mean they're very brave to be doing this to be honest with you the fact that they've essentially said we can't do this anymore doesn't matter how good things are in terms of exposure and attention that does not matter we got to take a stand right now and sacrifice you know playing for the greater good so that we can get the conditions and and get what we want get our needs met. And that's incredibly huge for these countries, these players to take a stand like that. So we'll see whether the how this battle goes on. Uh, We saw it happen with Spain as well. But Spain moved on and then ended up beating the United States with their second string of players and manager. So it's been a wild year where players are starting to stand up and push back against their federations but will it work is the question the federations have a ton of power and they're going to do whatever it takes to you know push back and not give an inch they're not going to give an inch this is going to be an ongoing battle for quite some time so keep an eye on it it's it's going to be ongoing will it impact france at this world cup how will it impact canada at the world cup a lot of questions to be answered. A lot of things have to get sorted before, before the World Cup for those countries. So keep an eye on it. A lot going on there. But just a great story uh, in, the, in the sense that it's a great story in that we have players taking a stand regardless of the situation. And that speaks to their character and what they want to stand for and believe in which is what everyone should do. Alrighty, that is all that we have for you today on episode 59 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, for all the latest and greatest news analysis, lifestyle, everything in the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check out girlsoccernet for our Twitter account and at Soccer Network on Instagram. And, of course, for this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts, get it, download it, subscribe, share it, let your friends know. Please, we, we appreciate all the feedback and all the help and support that we get from you guys. So thank you so, so much. Rotas Wideris signing out. Episode 59. Peace.